going to ask everyone if you could make your way back to your seats unless you're serving somehow. I just got a message from one of the ushers. I had parked my car around the corner and they said I got a ticket. I don't know why. The sign said, fine for parking. <laughs> what would I get a ticket for? Oh, good, my water here, thanks. I have to get a drink after this. Also, it's good to see that Derek is here today. I didn't expect him. He was going bear hunting yesterday, but when he was on his way there, he saw a sign that said, bear left, so he went home. Wow. That's why he's hiding somewhere. Oh, there he goes. Let's have a big hand for the bear hunter right here, Derek. Okay, that's enough of that. So we got that out of the way. So last time I spoke, I preached a message called Great Things in Small Packages. And today I'm going to do part two. So this is Great Things in Small Packages, part two. And when I did part one, I spoke of how so often God finds significance in the things that the world sees as small, insignificant, or of little consequence. For example, Jesus said that if you can have great faith if it's just the size of a little mustard seed. It, Jesus talked about the healing power and a little crumb of, of the bread from heaven. All you need is a little touch from heaven, and you can be healed. There's power in the small. I talked about how a little boy's lunch fed 5,000 people. Wait, you just get the little, God blows on it, and he expands it, and there's always more than enough. Jesus compared the church to grains of salt that preserve and heal. And he compared it to yeast that grows and expands the kingdom of God. The Bible teaches that it's the little sins that will cause a Christian to eventually fall. Maybe you won't shoot someone. Maybe you won't rob a bank. But the small deceptions that you entertain, those little lustful thoughts, if you don't turn from it, eventually those are the things. It's the little things that can pull you down. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 24 to 28, it says, There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. When God spoke about wisdom, he didn't use the, the big animals, the elephant the, or the tiger as examples of wisdom. He said there are four small things, but if you want to know what it means to be wise, look at them. He said look at the ants, for example. They aren't strong, but they store up food all summer, it says, verse 25. They're wise because they don't just live to, for today. They're small, but they can survive because they plan for the future. Verse 26, 
talks about the hyraxes or the rock badgers, which are small, grayish, rabbit-like creatures. It says they aren't powerful, but they make their homes among the rocks. And they're wise because they know where to stay. They live among the rocks and burrow into them. And when a predator comes looking for them, in order to get to them, you have to knock down the mountain of rocks. See, if you're wise like that little hyrax, you're going to live among the rocks. You see, Jesus is the rock. And you might not feel powerful and strong, but when the enemy comes to knock you down, you're surrounded by rocks. He can't get to you. Verse 27, it talks about the locusts, the little insects. It says, they have no king, but they march in formation. They're wise because they know that their strength is in teamwork and unity. Individually, you could swat one of those locusts, but when they join together, there's power. You can't defeat them. They, could, they would destroy whole cities. And, and God was saying, that's the wisdom that we need for the people of God. There's power in unity and numbers in teamwork. Verse 28, it talks about the little lizards. It says they are easy to catch, but they are found even in king's palaces. They're wise because they're persistent. They have patience and perseverance. They, even in the palace, they might take the broom, try to swat them, but you can't get rid of them. And that's the wisdom of heaven. We don't give up. That you could even end up living in the king's palace. Nobody could stop you. Nobody could grasp you if you have the mindset, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to persevere. And you see, being small, that's the message of Christmas. The all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal king who fills the heavens and the earth. He chose to make himself small. So I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 8. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You see, Jesus was the Son of God, but he chose to empty himself of his power, his glory, and riches. And even though he continued to be God, he was born in a manger where animals are fed. He was surrounded by shepherds in the tiny town of Bethlehem. You see, Jesus made himself small to be with us because he's a king. There were great palaces in his day where he could have been born among kings and royalty and the great religious leaders of his day. 
He would have spared himself a lot of pain and suffering. God could have chosen a wealthy, powerful family to Jesus to be born in. But instead, he chose Joseph and Mary, who were just plain, ordinary unknowns to be Jesus' parents. He could have grown up in one of the great and powerful cities of the world or the holy city of Jerusalem. But he wasn't raised among the great and powerful. He grew up in Nazareth, which is a small village with a bad reputation. In fact, people said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And when he he came back to Nazareth to preach, it says after he preached, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but don't get any ideas. I'm just reading the scripture here. That, that's what that town was like where he grew up. He came, they didn't like preachers. They didn't like his message. They tried to kill him. You see, Jesus didn't look or dress like a king or a nobleman. The Son of God could have worn the best clothes available. But in Isaiah 53, verse 2, it says, There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. The king of the universe, the powerful one, the one, the God of all creation came down and you needed to hear from God just to recognize who he was. He made himself just an ordinary person. It says nothing special about him when he walked on the earth. Although he was a king, he got down on the floor and he washed the people's feet. The scripture says he made himself a slave or a servant. The king of kings didn't come here to earth to be served, but he came to serve others. You see, the people of Israel were expecting a warrior or a military strategist to save them. But God sent a baby. They were, they were expecting a guy on a horse with a knife in between his teeth that were going to come and rescue them. But God's plan is to confound all the wise religious leaders. And he, sent, he came down to earth as a little child. The Son of God chose to humble himself. And go through everything in life that we do. Now here's the question. Why did God do that? Why did he come into the earth as a baby and have to endure all the hardships and difficulties that we go through? He could have entered the world as a grown man and saved himself a lot of troubles. Even as a baby, he had to hide. They were out to murder him by the time he was two years old. Why would Jesus go through all that? He could have stayed in heaven. 
He could have come up with some other plan. Why would the God of the universe choose to come down here to live amongst us, to be one of us, to grow up like one of us? Well, well, here's one of the reasons that because he came down to earth, he understands your hurt and your pain. He went through everything that you go through. You see, up to the time of Jesus, people could come to God and say, you don't know what it's like to live down here on earth. Who are you to judge us? You don't know what I go through. You're up there in the throne room, in in the palace in heaven? Well, there is a God in heaven right now, and he knows your pain. He understands your hurt, because everything that you walk through, he walked through. Jesus knows what it's like to feel the pain of suffering and rejection and betrayal. He understands loneliness and hunger and emotional distress. He knows what it's like to be the target of hatred and rage and injustice. Sometimes I go to places among the really poor people and they tell me, what are you doing here? You don't know what it's like. You didn't grow up here. You don't know what it's like to be one of us. I say, you're right. I don't know. But there's a God in heaven, and he knows. He's been through every situation. Even as a little child, a a two-year-old, a three-year-old could come to Jesus, and Jesus knows what it's like to be a two-year-old in trouble. Wherever you're at at life, whatever you're going through, Jesus understands. God came down to where we are so he can feel our pain. He knows our need. He hurts when you hurt. He weeps when you weep. Everything that you go through, He understands. That's one of the reasons why Jesus chose to leave the place of glory and paradise. See, that's what Christmas is all about. The God, he fills all the heavens and the earth. He's the God of the universe. He lived in total comfort and joy for all eternity. And he left that place so that so that he can relate to us, so that he could know what it's like, and so that he could have a real, authentic relationship with you. I want to read from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You see, sometimes people don't understand what I'm going through. They say, you're making such a big deal over that. You can't sleep just because of that. 
Why do you have to react so strongly? A lot of times people don't get it. People don't understand me. But it says that I have a high priest seated up in heaven. There's a man up in heaven. He's fully God, but he's fully man. And it says, he understands my weaknesses. He sees the world through my perspective. When I wake up in the the middle of the night and no one's around, I have a God who will understand what I'm going through. He's stopped thinking of God as this distant power. He's not a force. He's not this massive power up in heaven. He's a personal God. He created you. He knows everything about you. He created you with a purpose. And what he desires more than anything else is a relationship. It's not all about, I'm going to keep all these rules and laws and I'm going to do everything right, and I'm going to try to please God. It's all about every day I walk with him. I can bring him my hurts. I can bring him my failures, because it says here, my high priest in heaven understands me. He understands when I'm weak, it says. He understands my failures. I can cry out to him. He identifies with my moments of distress and emotional trauma. He understands. Maybe people don't get you. Maybe people don't know what it's like to be you. People don't have an experience what you've experienced. It's easy for people to say, oh, just stop and just pray. There's people don't know what you've been through. And that's why Jesus came down to earth. He humbled himself. He made himself small. And he lived the life that we live. Scripture says he was tempted in every way. From the time he was a baby, he he knew what it's like to face another day, to face this world with all the trials and the problems. And to have a God in heaven who understands me. He understands when I can't make it. He understands when I failed one more time, when I struggled and failed. He cares. You see, that's the Christmas story. The Christmas is not all about trees and lights, even though that's wonderful. I enjoy all those things. But the real power of Christmas is that God came down. He dwelt among us. You see, I I could never go to where he is. From the the time I was young, I was a failure. I was a mess up. I was in jail by the time I was 15. My whole life, growing up into into adulthood, messing up, I, I couldn't come to where he is. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. 
I don't have what it takes inside me to come to God in my sin. I, I have a lot of nerve to stand before God and who I am and say, you got to accept me. But when I couldn't come to him because of all the mess I made out of my life, maybe we got some perfect people here, but me, I, I messed up so many times in my life. I couldn't just come up to him. And when I couldn't come to where he was, he came to me. He came down from heaven to, to rescue me. There's not one of us here who could stand before a holy God and say, I'm coming up. Don't worry, God. I made it today. I did a lot of good things. Not one of us deserves to be in the presence of a holy God. The scripture says all have sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all messed up. Not one of us can come to God on our own righteousness. See, that's a dilemma. You have God up there and we're down here. And Jesus said, in my love for you. I'm going to give up my, my, everything I have up here, all the, all the riches, all the power, all the glory, and I'm going to come down for you personally. You see, when you can't go to where he is, you just cry out and he'll come to you. You can never fall so far that, you, that he won't come to you. It's his heart, his desire. And that's why he came down to earth. There's no one who could reach up to him. And in his love and compassion, he created you. He longs for relationship with you. The scripture said, even when you were a sinner, when you wanted nothing to do with God, he died for you. That, that's the love of Jesus. That, that's an unconditional love. And the scripture says, e even, even if you, one day you decide to walk out and you say, I'm not serving that Jesus anymore. The scripture says, he'll run right out of here and follow you right into the club, right into the crack house, wherever you're hiding. That, that's the love of God. That's the Christmas story. There's nobody's going to, I don't care how many presents I get. There's no one that's going to love me the, the way that he does. You see, when Jesus was on earth, you could mostly find him among the poor, the needy, and the hurting. Among the failures and the losers. In fact, he was labeled the friend of sinners, and the religious leaders criticized him. He said, those, those people are unimportant. They told Jesus, why are you hanging around with all these small nobodies? You need to be with the great religious minds like us. But Jesus, 
He looked into the eyes of broken, hurting people who had been trampled on, who had failed, messed up their life. And, and he looked in, right into their eyes, into the eyes of hopeless, lost souls. But he saw destiny and purpose and greatness. See, it it doesn't matter how insignificant you might feel today. Maybe people have said, you're nothing, you're nobody. Even if they haven't said it, there's people who will make you feel that way. Even sometimes members of your own family will, will make you feel small, like you're not important. People will ignore you. And after a while, you might start to look at yourself as small and nothing. Just come to Jesus because he's looking right now. He's looking into your eyes and he sees destiny and purpose and greatness. Because God made himself small when he looks at you, he sees a person of royalty carrying seeds of glory. You are a glory carrier. You are a great thing and a small package. Maybe like Jesus, you come to a place, you come from a place where people say, can anything good come out of that place, out of that town, out of that city? See, you, you are destined for great things. And it's all because he came to us. He humbled himself. So I'm going to ask for the worship team to come. You see, during this Christmas time, that's all about gifts. I want to tell you about the greatest gift that you can give Jesus, because after all, it's his birthday. And you know the gift that Jesus is looking for? He's looking for the gift of you. The greatest thing that you could offer him today is the gift of yourself. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. But before I pray, I just want to declare over you that you are not small, you are not a nobody. You, you have to I break that mindset off of you. In every way where when you look in the mirror, you see somebody of no consequence. That you're not a big deal. You're a big deal in the kingdom of heaven. You are great in heaven. There's a book up in heaven and your name is written. You might be a small package, but... The God of the universe lives inside of you. He made himself so small that he lives in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are worth it to him. He's saying to you right now, it cost me. I laid down my life. I suffered. But I hear the Lord wanting me to tell you right now, it was worth it. It was worth it if it was just for you.
all the pain, all the heartache, all the blood that flowed, the Lord wants you to know today. He's saying he's, he paid the price and he's glad that he did because he couldn't bear to live all eternity without you. Can you hear his heart beating for you this Christmas? Amongst all the ribbons and, and the gift bags and the trees, can you look past that just for one second? And can you see the eternal heart of God? And it's beating for you. And it's saying, I love you. I'm willing to lay down my life for you. I do whatever it takes in order to gain your love. That's the real heart of God. He's not a God far away, it tells us in the book of Romans. But it says, he's as near as your heart. And he weeps when you weep. The scripture says, every time you cry, he saves all your tears in a bottle. And every day he remembers your pain. Because we are one with him, and his heart beats with ours. And when your heart beats sadness, his heart beats sadness. He feels you. Nobody else feels you, maybe. Maybe there's not another person. He feels it. He knows you. And you are his beloved. And that's the reason that he came. That's the reason he said he chose just to be born and live among ordinary people. So that he could know everything you're going through. He knows the poverty. He knows when you don't have enough. There were times he said, I don't even have a place to lay down my head at night. He knows what that's like. He knows the poverty. He knows lack. He knows what it's like to be abused and insulted. He knew what it was like when at his greatest moment of need, all his friends abandoned him and ran away. And after it was all said and done, he, he looked in your eyes. He said, I did it for you. It was all for you. If you were the only one alive, he would have done it just for you. That's how much he loves you. So let's just take a minute. Let's give, let's give him that gift right now. If you're saying, I'm giving God, I give you my life today. He don't, he's, he's not interested in a little present. He's not interested in... And we're going to give a Christmas offering. Your Christmas offering is everything that we are. And all that we have belongs to him. That's the gospel. That's the New Testament Bible. We don't give him Sunday morning and whatever we put in the basket. We say, God, on Tuesday night, I'm yours. Saturday night at 2 in the morning, I'm your child. I belong to you. God, I give you my heart, my life. All that belongs to me is yours. Why? Because he did it for you. He gave his best for you. He sacrificed it all for you. 
So if that's you today, if you're choosing to give God the gift of you, would you just raise your hand before God today and say, God, I am yours and you are mine. Father, we give you our lives today, God. We dedicate ourselves to you, Lord. And we thank you today. We thank you that you paid the price. You could have you lived somewhere in a palace surrounded by guards and soldiers and warriors. But you came to live amongst us, just plain ordinary people, so that you could know our pain, our tears. Next time you're hurting, next time you're in trouble, just call out the name of the Lord. Call out to him. He won't turn you away because he understands your weakness. He doesn't only know what's good about me. He understands my weakness and he still loves me. The mystery of the gospel. What a mystery. He knows how messed up I am. He knows my failures. But still he came down and died on the cross. And I want to tell you something. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. Because he grew up and he died. And he hung on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and he's resurrected from the grave. And he's alive. And he lives in heaven. And he rules and reigns for, for now and forevermore. So let's worship him. Hallelujah. You know what's interesting and what's amazing is that this love that Pastor Gary spoke about is uh, it's not only available to us all, but, but it's interesting that he would take us so messed up and use us to communicate that love to one another. This morning I asked a question of the, uh, of the worship team and those that were in the prayer room. Why do you come here every Sunday? You know, really think of it. Do you come here to be entertained? Or do you come here just to get a quick fix and then and then move on and 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 this love that you receive every Sunday or this love you receive from God, there's there's no communicating it during the week. Why do you come here? Do you understand that the God of all creation shows up in this place? Not so that you could be entertained, but, but he really desires a relationship with you. A real relationship with you. Think about it. This God who created everything, created you, cre created me, said, I'm going to come here when you call. And I'm going to dwell in the midst of your praise when you praise. Because I, I desire this one-on-one -on -one with you. So then why do we come here every Sunday? Because God sees something in you. And he's investing something in you and in your life. So that one day you'll be able to share this love with someone else. 
So if you're here today and you just and you're receiving all this goodness from God, you cannot hold this back. You cannot be selfish with it. Because we're not, we're not sure how much time we have here. And there's some people out there that have even less time. But you have the words of life to give them. So come here. Get your fill, right, Gary? And then go out there and just pour it out, pour it out. And then come back here again on Sunday and then pour it out, pour it out. It should, that's, should not, that's how our life should be. That's the life of a Christian. That's the life of a follower of Christ. Come on, I surrender. Every time he gets up here, I, I can't contain it. 
<laughs> but he's as much as a worship. I think he might be even more of a worshiper than I am. just God's love and his grace on display right here before us so I want to sing this next part of the song but I want you guys to dig deep let him be the example of what it is to come before the Lord and just throw off all inhibitions and just and just worship can we do that this morning do you have it in you to do that this morning to really worship well me and David are going to show you how it's done. See, we say, Like a rushing wind, Jesus breathe within. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Amen. Like a mighty storm. Like a mighty storm. right now all over the world and a lot of rich, famous, powerful celebrities. But God's chosen you. He chose to touch you today, to be with you. You're the one that he loves. The scripture says that he chose you. He looked down from heaven from eternity even before the earth was created. He looked ahead and he saw you and he said, I can't live without her. I can't be without him. God loves all the everyday average people, the failures, those who keep stumbling and get up. And every time he comes, And he reaches his hand and picks us up out of the pit, out of the mud, one more time. (coughs) You are a person of great significance in the kingdom of heaven. 
So I just bless you today in Jesus' name to walk with the knowledge of your greatness, of your power, the fullness of God, the Bible says, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. All his goodness dwells in you. I release you to do mighty works, mighty exploits in the name of Jesus. To turn this world upside down. You are world shakers. You are nation changers. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Wow. I don't know if you know this, Gary, but... (laughs) You so high up here, right, Gary? Like, you didn't even notice that he he was echoing your sentiments like wow praise god let's just end with that like a rushing wind you ready dave come on say sing like a rushing wind jesus breathe within lord have your way lord have your way like a mighty storm, like a mighty storm, stay within my soul. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in me. Oh, Lord. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord that you would communicate and communicate your love to us, oh God. Father, that you would reaffirm us and continue to affirm us, Lord, of how much you love us, Lord, and how great you are, oh God, and how fortunate we are, Lord, that you would even choose us, oh God. But Father, we take this knowledge, Lord, and this is what propels us, Father, as we move forward, oh God. Father, forward not only, Father, to keep it for ourselves, Lord, but to speak to others, Lord, that may not know about this good love. Father, there's new life in you, and I pray, Father, that everyone would be able to experience this new and everlasting and awesome life in you, O God. So if there's anyone here that's been hearing these songs, this message, Father, even just observing what you've been doing here today, I pray, Lord, that you, their hearts were softened, Father, that they would allow you in, oh God. Father, that they would get to know you, Father. And Father, knowing you is not restrictive, Father, but we inherit everything. Father, knowing you is true life and being able to live life to the fullest. So knowing you is freedom, Lord. So thank you for freedom, Lord. Thank you for your love. Thank you, thank you for your spirit, oh God, and your promises, Lord. You are blessed to be a blessing. Have a wonderful week.